Welcome to the Band of History. This week we are talking to Chest Fever, the official revival of the band. To back it up a little bit, a few months ago on the show we had Mrs. Henry on, a great act from California. At the time, on top of their original music, they were doing various shows of band music, whether it be The Last Waltz and their elaborate production uh, documentary and release of their version of The Last Waltz, amongst other things, and touring the music of the band across the U.S. Well, in a few months, and after some changes, they have a new separate project called Chess Fever with the official stamp of approval. I got to talk to the guys as they're gearing up to tour across the U.S. and Canada, taking their show on the road with horns for the 50th anniversary of Rock of Ages. Talking to the guys is great. It's definitely a little bit different than our normal episodes of the show. It's more laid back. It's more conversational. So I hope you guys all enjoy it. And this is my interview with Chest Fever. Since the last time we talked, some has changed. Not a lot, but some has changed. Uh, when you guys were on last in a band, you're doing your own stuff. You're doing Last Waltz stuff. You're doing band stuff. But we're now same group, more or less, but under a new name, Chess Fever, the official revival of the band. Talk to me a little bit about why you did that. I think I can understand, and a lot of people listening might understand why you'd want the separation and everything, but talk to me a little bit about that. And specifically, I think some people have been asking, some people have been curious around the official part, quote unquote, the official part. So maybe walk us through kind of um, how, how we got here, how we became chest fever, how we became the official revival of the band. Well, it was a dark stormy night. The band was on the reef, and then oh, so we were reached uh, some cats that are now heavily involved with the band's legacy and their marketing, uh, trademark logos, and everything. They saw what we were doing and wanted us to be the live component and be the representation of what the music sounded like live. They came out to a show and they saw us. And they've been watching us for a little bit. And so theirs is the official band on Instagram. So as much as the band is sort of a, a vague and kind of a weird title for a band anyway, official can also be as obscure. So yeah, the official anything. <laughs> uh, I got the official ledzeppelin.com. I am definitely the official ledzeppelin.com. But the official revival of the band, I think that was their their phrasing that uh, they came up with to help. That was actually my phrasing, Blake, that I came up with. I was trying to remove us from liability. Now you're in the shark tank. You keep going. Well, in short, no, no, no. But in short, it was a way to word what we felt was what our understanding of an interpretation that they saw of us. So I guess you could, you could rewind the clock, go back to our uh, first tour out of the gate um of this whole of after you know 2020 when we had the world shut down our first actual run out of town shows since 2020 um we go up to uh 
but we never made it to San Francisco since the last time we talked to you. It never happened. It never happened once again. <laughs> it will be happening. We almost made it there. We made it close. We went to Sunnyvale and the beautiful people of Sunnyvale opened their door or doors, opened their port and welcomed us. And we'll be back in Sunnyvale. But um, on this tour, we played uh, our final stop was uh, the Moroccan Lounge in L.A. And as Blake had said, um, you know, representatives of the crew that are now working, you know, on the legacy of the band on maintaining continue that story. One of the members um, knew of us, had been knowing of us through a mutual friend of Jody. Um, yeah, yeah. A friend of mine. And uh, and so they came and they had been watching what we were doing since the last waltz in our documentary and so they came to check us out at the show that we played in Los Angeles. Cool. Yeah, they really, they, you know, they dug it. They went up to Alan. At the time, Alan Ritter here was our, uh, was TMing. And, um, you know, they let them know, hey, we really dig this. And we've been digging this. And tell, them, tell, tell these boys to give us a call. And then, you know, we just, you know, officially, to use that term again, we're officially now on the radar formed a relationship um have been in contact and um you know they uh are really great people and uh, awesome and you know a lot of mutual circles the band is a tight-knit family around the world of people uh in and out who kind of know one another and they're so incredibly supportive of the band of the story of of, of us of what we're doing and uh and thus you know there was a a decision i kind of i think a fork in the road we we're kind of meeting where, you know, anything with marketing, we've been finding and promotions of what you're doing of a, of a, of a group um, needs to be as direct as possible. People need the, the easiest way to understand it and the, the most clear cut way so that, you know, it's less confusing, more um, friendly, more just, oh, I get it. Yeah. Digestible. Like even if somebody didn't know the band, what the band was is, it's still like saying the word, oh the band, which band? Then you got to go through that whole rigmarole. So even explaining like, well, Mrs. Henry, but we playing nothing but the band music. Oh, the band is the band from Last Waltz, the band. Yeah. So it's just to kind of bring that conversation to a close and like have less to kind of say more. Yeah, and I guess you don't want it to dilute brand of miss henry like as an act and an entity that puts out original music and is its own thing right you don't want that to kind of bleed too heavily into that so people just think you're a group that covers material by the band right yes it got it that was the kind of predicament we were in where it was hard as much as we feel it's it, it was easy to understand we were having you know we were just having trouble of like what is this original band you guys have a rock opera is it about the band? No, you guys, we, you play the band, but what, but you're Mrs. Henry. And even, even Mrs. Henry, um, you know, kind of taking a little word of advice being like, Mrs. Henry is still, it's not as on the nose to a, some, a reference for it's Bob Dylan and the band. We were like, wow, like really, is that really that far off? But you don't know how many people we've met who know the band, but maybe don't even know about that, uh, that path, the band as it's such a, yeah big you know that band's such a universe in itself and uh and so you know we just decided hey you know well we ain't getting any younger why don't we try <laughs> let's let's try something <laughs> new let's why not give it a shot and 
the, I feel like, and I mean, I've been seeing it. We all, we're all, you know, aware of the social media, but man, I've been floored since doing that at just the response and what I'm really happy and thankful for from our suggestions of our friends who are like, you know, listen, we think this is amazing. Like, dude, just, we, we're, we're trying to give you a good idea here. Just, you know, make it easy. And we, we I went through every potential name you could go through, but the first, one of the first two names I think was chest fever. And we're just like, God, that's like one of our favorite songs. And, you know, like my wife would always be like, that's the sexiest band song. She's like, that's it. That chest fever. That's, and I thought, Fair. well, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not like you have unlimited names because there's other bands out there that have taken their names from the band, like King harvest from right. song King harvest and stuff. So it's, even even I think Nazareth, not that it's a direct song reference, oh. but I think that's from The Weight as well. Uh, right. And then you have Jim Weeder who played with the band. He's got The Weight band. So it's like there's there's not unlimited choices, but I think Chess Fever's the perfect the perfect name. I think you guys almost, hit it right on the head. We, there's a few. I don't remember. Remember any others? We Danko was one. Danko. Just Danko. Danko, Danko. You know, or just Danko. Chester Fevers was the uh, the, there was oh, I have a, li a list I mean we were in Mexico actually and I'm Jack's sure, puppies oh, God, that wasn't long <laughs> I figured these dudes are gonna kill me because I was literally in the band we're on our way to this festival I'm just like scribbling on paper like but guys what about this one, <laughs> this one. Any other? just kept being no chest fever nah, that's all right but chest fever come on that's mm -hmm. you gotta check and make sure no one else is doing it too yeah, because yeah, there like was one the the band band would already been taken, so we figured, oh, yep. I can't do that, can't, can't do, do that, that one. He said, "What about three of those?" My God, it's too much. Moon Dog Matinee. We were like, "That's kind of cool, Moon Dog." But there's a band, uh, Moon Dog Matinee. Yep. Band, yeah, El Bando, <laughs> Band Band, yeah. Band Band. <laughs> the the funniest one I saw is somebody's like, "Yeah, they should do a a cover band of the band, and they should call it the Cover Band." And That's I was like, oh, "I see what you're doing there. You know what I mean? That's you know what I mean?" One. But yeah, no, a, you guys, you guys hit it. I think. What? Well, okay. If you had to pick another one, though, out of the ones that you were kind of coming up with, even if somebody had already taken it, what? What was? What was truly the first choice, or was Chess Fever? You think really ultimately it the first like choice? We were between oh. one. Yeah, we we liked King Harvest. King Harvest. Uh, yeah. That came to mind really quick before we knew that that was uh, currently taken. What was the band yeah. from the seventies that 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 was it? it was King, they they, King, yeah, they don't Harvest they didn't do anything anymore. There was like no, a, we, we were looking like well maybe is King Harvest still a band like but there's a Wikipedia page about them. Yeah, they're big uh, enough that it's kind of tough, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's a and great I, name. It's a great name. Then we were like King something. Like what about King Fever? King Blair? King Levon? Like, no, King Le <laughs> oh, um, funny enough, a contender was. The heavy Levons. Oh, the heavy Levons. And we've and, and the heavy Levons heavy comes from our uh our friend that we met in LA, and um his name's Fabian, and Fabian has uh he has ties to Levon. He used to work. He used to be in Woodstock. He used to, mm -hmm. he was working on a record. Well, uh, and we met him working on our on our album with Mrs. Henry at Palomino Sound at the recording studio in LA. And he was working at an automotive shop right across the parking lot. And he would come by and say, hey, hey, you boys. He's like, oh, you boys like the band? And he's like this. He's like, okay. He listened to our, rec our record. And then he's like, oh, you guys are like the heavy metal Levons. And we're like, <laughs> and then every time he saw us, he'd call us the heavy Levons. And, and you know, Blake, I know you know more. He was curating this amazing 
um, CD and this work that was all going to New Orleans um, relief. And uh, yeah, he's a total trip that um, Congo Square is a, a, a it's basically a visualist documentary. I listened to his, the album and it's it's interviews with local native chiefs that are old as water talking about the origin and the mixing of Creole and African slaves and Native Americans and how that shaped jazz. And it's this fascinating, super cool. And he's got everybody's playing on it. He's got Levon Helms playing on it. Like, let me give an example. Like, everybody plays on this thing. He's super connected. He's really, really. Jack Dijonet. Jack Dijonet. So he's talking about Chucky Weiss. He's always, he's always dropping some crazy stories about walking. Talk with him for a great length about a time he was strolling down the road with Lemmy in, in, in the UK before he was known as, I forget his name back then, but it was something like Leonard or something. It was just like very, <laughs> and how nice he was. And he's like, always looking for the action. Anyway, this guy's just seen everything, done everything, but he did this project uh, all about New Orleans. And he's cool. Super, super cool guy. I'll send you some stuff on him. Yeah, yeah. That'd be, that's actually a solid name. But I guess you guys have to choose Strike. In all fairness, you have to strike a little bit of a balance too. You can't really show favoritism to to one member right. over the other, yeah. right? So yes, yes. There was another random one I remember that a friend said, which was the Robbie Robertsons. And it was in the same category as the heavy Leo eyes. Well, they yeah. were like, Well, why not mm -hmm. be just Danko? It's the coolest you know, then it, they the internet would blow up. No, nothing gets helpful after that because you're like well, Garth's kittens, <laughs> Richard's teeth. And then it just doesn't make any sense and no one wants to listen anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough because like the band fandom obviously is great, but you, you see people are very tribal over certain mem members and everything. So that, you know, I think you, you, you steered the right path, but now to get a little bit into that, is this iconoclast? Are these the guys you're talking to? Or are they the ones, can you say if they're the ones or not? We can neither say nor deny as we don't know really where that's yeah, of us saying or denying anything at this point. Yeah, rock and roll is a fickled um, world. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we do know of them and, um, you know, but, you know. People can connect the dots. People can, uh, yes, yes. People are very good at connecting dots. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and that makes sense. So, like, let's talk, you know, I, I'm really interested. I have some questions here, but. I don't want to go much further without talking about you, Alan. Last time you weren't uh, you weren't interviewed. You weren't uh, part of this whole thing. So, talk to me a little bit about your your involvement and and uh, you know how you are are going to fit in with the rest of the guys here and and what are you looking forward to uh, on this project? Uh, well, I've known these guys for the better part of a decade already. Um, uh, I've, uh, played drums in Mrs. Henry. I've played percussion in Mrs. Henry. Uh, I've tour managed Mrs. Henry. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to drum again for Mrs. Henry and tour manage as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, like I've known all these guys, I've played another project with them. Um, uh, yeah, 15, 15, God damn. 16 oh, yes, years. 15 years. Okay. So yeah, like a, a long time. I mean, all sorts of projects together. Um, so I mean, we we already had like a natural feel and and, and play kind of well together. Um, not to take anything away from Chad or anything, you know, because he's a fantastic drummer as well. So I'm I'm mm -hmm. just really trying to fill his shoes. Um, 
So well, then chest fever, you got the Levon shoes too. Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah filling Chad's and Levon shoes. Chad socks. Yeah. Yes. There's a diagram. Chad sweaty socks and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to to you know just you know being on the road with you guys because you know these are my friends. Cool. No, that's awesome. You're like the Ian Stewart Rolling Stone equivalent to these guys. That's Playing right. with them, road managing, all the kind of stuff. So all of it. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's 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 awesome. Real real quick, want to introduce to uh Andrew. Yes, we uh, yes, please. We have to introduce Andrew because he is also, you know, as Mrs. Henry is a was a four-piece band, Chess Fever is a five-piece group and and uh, here is Andrew Hughes of Hughes Farms. <laughs> and, uh, well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, let me give a little, well, and, Blake, Blake, you've known Andrew since uh, the long I've known Andrew for, forever. Yeah, he's a screaming violinist. He's been playing since forever. And uh, he's an organ player. And uh, so he'll be doing a lot of the Garth world. Take it away, Andrew. Cool. Hi, cool. welcome to the fun. Well, hello. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice um yeah i um i know i knew blake in third grade and uh we we became friends very quickly and then uh through blake i met mrs henry in 2015 tw- no 2014 2013 well yeah we're on our way we're on our yeah it, it's it's crazy it's we met we met events um concerts practices and oh, he filmed the last waltz for us the first time and played oh, really? at the same time. Wow! Yeah, I I filmed the last waltz and then the documentary too. He's the yeah co-director. I worked with Dan. I worked with Dan to make the documentary, the last waltz documentary. Um, so it's just been it's just been kind of like um, you know just just I've known this band for a long time and um, and then Dan asked me to kind of uh, to be to be the part of uh, Garth Hudson and um, I play organ at my church. Um, so it, but, but I will say my church organ and the, you know, this style of organ that we're doing with the Leslie speakers is very different, but I love mm-hmm. it. I love the Leslie speaker. I love going between the non-spinny mode and the spinny mode, you know, kind of like switching between those two I've things. I've never heard it articulated like that. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. He's on, a, he's on, he's on the funkiest Lowry on the planet. I wish he could show you. It's always spinning. It's just either slow or fast. Yeah, yeah. Less spinning or more spinning. Technically. More. That is. But now he's got this wacky organ that he's playing on the Lowry. That's got like a pitch bend and nice. So the full, the full Garth, the full oh, Lowry. Dude. We're not settling for the Hammond. We're going for the full Lowry. We're keeping full it fun. authentic. We have a couple of B3s, but this Lowry is like. Phew. Yeah, we've got. So right now we've been practicing. We got the train tra- training wheels is actually really good. It's a story in Clark. And I bought this story in Clark at a thrift shop. Um, we'll go with 20 years ago. And uh, it's the magic I'm number. So sick of time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a story in Clark. And we had it for the longest time. It was weird. Oregon has a Wawa on it and this weird effects and didn't really think too much of it. We're literally gonna throw it away and i was like you know i remember asking jody like jody what do you think i don't know man we're just trying to like clear more records for more space and more things you know like we want to move things from one side of the room to the other again so what do you think jody should we throw it away and 
Jody played it. And there's a video of you playing it in the alleyway right by the dumpster. And we were this like, that one? It was, was it white earlier? No, that we did throw that one away. We threw away that one. That one was also very weird. Yeah. That one had like a synthesizer on it. But so we didn't. Jody played it and convinced it, stayed around, lent it to our friend, uh, Boy Berez, Matt Berez. And then um, I just realized all of a sudden, you know, in the middle of the night, I woke up and I was like, oh my God, that's the organ. What am I what am I been doing with my life? And then I got it from him. We brought it to a friend to get service. He chopped it in half. And now we have it. Nice. And uh, and uh, yeah, the chopping in half was neither good nor bad. It just is, you know, added to its funk. Old, old stumpy. We might shoot yeah. it before <laughs> or stab it a couple of times. <laughs> light it on fire. We'll singe it because it's just it's all all kinds of calamity. Yeah, so cool. we, we have we have the story of Clark and we we um we found out through just the natural way of the world of deep diving and searching that story and Clark is actually a brand that was of Lowry or Lowry sold the rights to story and Clark. And thus we actually have a Lowry. And I mean, it is sounds as close to the Lowry as you can possibly get with the glide pitch bend. It's got the uh, auto beat. So you can do like that effect on, you know, this wheels on fire like verbatim and says echoes and waws and all these settings and super funky you'd, you'd almost not want to use the reverbs but it, it really fits with the, the garth oddity odyssey oddity thing and andrew's been rocking it really really well and which has been freeing up jody to be full piano land which has been a whole yeah, yeah, cool yeah. thing doing the richard manual bit cool cool now for you two new guys What's, you know, we talked last time about it uh, with the rest of the guys here about the band and, and how they how they kind of came across them and, and everything for you guys now getting into this, even if you were a casual listener before you guys are full fledged in it, like the the accuracy in which you guys are playing a lot of these tunes and everything is uh, is really next to none. So what was it like? exploring these songs what did you know about coming into it and what were some of the you know the challenges in in trying to replicate it but also kind of make it your own too obviously because you guys are full-fledged players in your own right so it's kind of i'm assuming kind of striking the balance between both i think i think you said it right the odyssey and the oddity um yeah is that what you said that's what yeah yeah Yeah, I think I think I think Garth Hudson is, you know, his he's like he's, you know, watching the videos of of them on stage. He's kind of in the back. You're the, you know, the the back of the organ is facing the audience. You don't really see too much what's going on back there. You see his head pop out a little bit, you know, but it's a mystery, you know, and really the only the, the only key that we have is what we hear, really. And. I, I, I would, you know, I started listening to, well, I, I never really known the band until before 2014 when Dan kind of introduced me to the band. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, this sounds really cool. Like, I can't believe I haven't heard of this music before. Like, and then like we started working on the Last Waltz stuff and I was listening to the Last Waltz and I played violin in that show. So I was playing Acadian Driftwood. I was playing um, Night the Drill Dixie Down, uh, Night in New Orleans. Um, rag bummer rag, rag, which I'm playing violin in, in for that's the one song I'll play violin for on this, cool. on this tour. So I'm excited, but, um, I, it, it's been a mystery and it's, it, I know the Lowry is a very complex instrument. There's a lot of sounds going on, but 
even beyond that, the way he plays, the way he, the way he, the, it's like the mixture of his playing with the oddities of the Lowry. It's, 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 it's a very strange mystery and there will never be, you know, he, he will, I, I can't be, I can't, I, I can't play exactly like him. I can listen to, I've listened to his recordings, uh, his playing, and I, I, I can, I can, I can play the notes, but it's, it's just not, it's not him. It's me. And so I'm doing, I'm doing a different, I'm doing, I'm just trying to approach it. I'm trying to get in, I'm trying to get into his head. I'm trying to get into his head exactly how he did it, but Having known this dude since the third grade too, though, and being a little more familiar with Garth Hudson and some of the, the peculiarities, it's kind of fun to see how some of the instincts that I see Andrew shooting for are kind of like spot on Garth with having not even really known Garth. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. so many, so many different ways. So. That, I don't know if that was an accident. Maybe that. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's a good design somewhere. There's a grand design somewhere yeah. there. I mean, even just the, you know the i don't know i know garth obviously the the legend of garth of him playing in funeral you know a funeral mm-hmm. home if i'm not mistaken yep. and then yeah you know but andrew's been playing hymns and you know has been playing them for years almost like you know yeah i i was 20 years i was uh i started when i was 16 i i started organ at my church so but you know cool. the organ at, the organ at my church is way different like it's it the, and this organ here is like i kind of want to take this organ into my church and like really get that gospel sound you know? we're trying yeah. to get andrew's church to buy us two leslie's to take on the road <laughs> and then house them at the church and then also another a uh, lowry because we do have yeah. so we have the story in clark but we also we uh, jody and i drove out to fresno and purchased a lowry symphonic theater h25-e3 it's the largest thing on the planet yeah it's so yeah cool. Yeah. And, and this organ, an actual Lowry, along with the story, we have, we've just now have a museum of, of these and, and it's being serviced by a, a gentleman by the name of Tim Rogers. And uh, it's an unbelievable uphill battle to get these things back to life because not that many people uh, repair Hammond organs, mm-hmm. fewer repair Lowry organs. Mm-hmm. And there's like one dude. And he's the dude and he's the man. His name's Tim Rogers. And we're eternally grateful for his help and his service because yeah. he literally answered the call and he doesn't answer his phone because it's constantly ringing off the hook. And he answered the call for help because I left a voice message explaining everything. Oh, wow. And he was like, you boys need help. Cool. Like, I'm here to do something. So I'll help you. Yeah. These what are like play. piece of machinery, right? Like this is, this is, that's, that's half the stories with Garth and Richard, like Garth and Richard would tear these things apart and build them back again and like they would tinker with them at all hours of the nights because they're they're instruments but they're also pieces of machinery it's, it's like engineering machine, man yeah. yeah yeah it's like you're playing r2d2 you you gotta tear his arms off again i'm sorry but put it back together. <laughs> we've done that with all of our gear we've been inside the b3 taking apart the clav mainly out of necessity you know yeah fails, you gotta figure it out and jump in ours the story of clark is open right now yeah the guts are open for us to view right now and it's 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 amazing how many wires are just sticking out of everything yeah. and literally we, we found out the lowry had mouse nests oh, that amongst yeah. the rats nests there are now dead mice and rat mice <laughs> but the nine of the mice had chewed through any of the cables and and you're also thankful too to give another shout out to two dudes in the hammond world and i know jody's worked a lot with 
one of them in particular, well, both of them, Paul Spees and, and Harold. So Jody, maybe you want to give them some love. Uh, yeah. You know, the, uh, like Dan said, there's, there's few people that work on this gear and, you know, every, every time you talk to someone, they're like, Oh, you know, the last guy we talked to, there's a guy in San Francisco who worked on him, but yeah, he just died. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no one's really taking an interest in interning or anything for these, but, uh, uh, yeah, luckily we, we do have a, a tech down in San Diego named Paul Spees, who's worked on a lot of my keyboards. Uh, he's currently, trying to help us with a with a bit of a hum that we have uh on that story in clark oregon uh and then uh, another fellow harold branch has been uh, working on a lot of our gear as well so uh, you know it takes a village we've got a whole team helping us and then you know the more they help and fix things the more we learn about it and the more we're we're able to fix that gear as well cool cool alan a little bit of i'll throw it over to you um yeah. you know leave on you know i think it's it's really not much of a of a contest. I think Levon Helm is probably the most popular member of the band. He has a huge impact yeah, yeah, on absolutely. on the drumming world and everything, and obviously his voice. But specifically with drumming, he's got a unique style. Definitely part of that era. You know, the likes of like him and in Ringo, they're very you know warm, round kind of wooden tone. He's got very a specific so. feel. You know, I watched that drumming documentary, I forget what it was called, but it was all about drummers. And one of the most interesting things is um, one of them was talking about, one of the session guys was talking about like, you can't really replicate another drummer because you have your own internal rhythm and you have your own feel. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll constantly be hunting for that if you are, but you'll probably never achieve the same because it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. You can always get close. You'll never get the same there'll never be another Jimi hendrix there's never another john bonham you right. know you can get close but you cannot you know it's yeah it's all internal you know and, and i i first learned about the band through dan uh many many years ago 20 years ago right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and i mean yeah so so i met him you know and he was in uh What's what was that school up there? Uh, Musicians Institute. Yeah, MI. Yeah. Oh yeah. Musicians yep. Institute in, in LA, and uh, you know, trying to do the whole cover band circuit thing. You know, all sorts of different songs. And I remember, you know, a couple of them. The weight we were trying to do. Uh, uh, Ophelia, uh, Ca- Caravan. Yeah, Shape of Event. All those things. And and so that's where I first learned about it. Um, but yeah, diving into even more because, you know, I played some here and there, obviously the popular ones, but like we're diving into like yeah. these records and like the, the tunes that, you know, aren't necessarily the big hits or whatever. So diving into that and really under seeing what a great drummer he really, really, really was and how complicated some of his stuff really is like just like Ringo. I mean. People think Ringo's this easy drummer. Ringo's not an easy drummer. Just like Levon. Levon is not an easy drummer. Yeah. No, it's it's hard to to do what he does. For sure. So, yeah, I, you know, I I I do my best. No, cool. That's <laughs> I do cool. My, have my you, best Levon Helm. <laughs> have you guys ever seen the um those homespun tapes that they did in the 90s? Um because Levon's got a drumming one. Last night. Just watched it last night. Yeah. 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 
Uh-huh. Rick's got a bass one. They're fun. You know, obviously, they are. you know, it's basics, but it's interesting to see how they approach their instruments. Right. And, and, and Levon is such a smooth talker, just the way he talks about it. Like, like, how do you sing and drum at the same time? It's like, I don't think about it. And you're like, okay, you're like, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> oh, don't think about it. How do you do that? How do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, now, just like extending it out to the rest of the group here, anybody can jump in when approaching material of the band. And, you know, you guys are taking a look at material like historically you looked at the last waltz, you've looked at some of the bigger hits, you know, Rock of Ages, some of the more obscure ones as well. How do you strike that balance between note for note accuracy and your own interpretation? And do you have conversations about parts are like well maybe you know we won't play this robbie solo exactly the same or maybe this kind of rick bass line is a little it, is it really needed in 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 this in our version here how do you strike that balance again i think like even watching the way even if i didn't know andrew for instance didn't know everything note for note for all the things coming up whether he does or he doesn't just seeing the approach and when you're kind of, and when you have enough like stuff built around you and the tone shape, even just on the instrument, what you're doing, and it kind of shapes what you will and your parameters and what you will and won't do. And then the more you listen around to just the general sensibilities, I think you're more, it's a, it's a funny thing. It's, it's kind of subtle in some ways. I, I don't know, since I'm doing, you know, Rick's stuff on the bass. It's so like there's certain lines that stick out to me that I'm definitely going to hit because they mean they, they, they seem really important and I love the way that they work out. But then just the general playfulness here and there and kind of getting in the conversation the way he's playing around with the other players. The band was a band, like the way that they worked off of each other and threw curveballs and bounced back and all that. And since you're kind of already in a box tonally with the instruments that you're on and the song structures are so demanding to begin with, there's it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room for uh, either interpretation or doing it perfectly it's just kind of like gonna be what it is and your head's in the right spot and your heart's there if you listen to the song it just seems like everyone's doing i don't know if anyone's trying to mimic or no one's really mimicking and no one's really trying to copy exactly Mm -hmm. but the songs seem to just kind of like you summon them up and then they kind of ride out like this cool wave yeah there's certain things yeah like the the as the band as they you know try to do to to replicate some of the the exactness of like um oh what's the one we were just doing yesterday just with the carnival the piano hits or no the just those piano holds um oh for the faithful servant no no See, we can't even think of it right now. Well, we're also working on. <laughs> yeah, we're working yeah, on a so, lot of songs. Yeah, so it was it was it was a little thing. It was just the beginning thing. Um, sure. and, and it was just it was it was a small little thing. So we did that, but you know, like say for instance, uh, like a, a solo or something, it doesn't need to be exact. It you know needs to be within the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the feel of the night, you know, because again, the band I guess wouldn't play it the same night every night anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is, you know, you try to, you know, which we found in trying to do the last waltz, you know, you're capturing a concert that was, you know, one, the one time they played it like that, that was the one time, you know, Garth played that solo, you know, so, Uh so it's more about, yeah, getting in that mindset, you know, what, what would he do having that knowledge and then applying it having having fun with it, you know, trying to get some of those key lines, but then 
uh, yeah, just exploring where where you can take it as they would if they were playing it for the you know hundredth, two hundredth, thousandth time, you know. Yeah, it's got a feel, right? Like I when I was talking to Jimmy Weeder, like when he joined the band in '85, I asked him this question in my interview with him. I was like, did like Levon or Rick or any of those guys ever tell you like what to play or how to play it? Because you're filling in for you know Robbie's parts. He's like, no. He's like, I listened to the songs and I was a band fan, so like I know the generalness of what that vibe is supposed to be. But he's like, I always just played my licks. And if you watch those videos, eh, you can't really tell it's different because he fits the vibe. He understands what the role is and what the assignment is for each song. And if it's different, you know, it's almost better in a lot of ways. And most people are, aren't digging deep into the arrangements. Like, you know, we are like an average listener. They kind of hear that solo and they're like, okay, I even, thinking about it is like oh that's a single coil pickup sound like people don't even think about that right so it's like if you get it in that general ballpark you kind of you're kind of hitting the note there um but jody for you oh, no, go, go ahead blake you're gonna say, I was something. Just gonna say it's always songs first too like yeah yeah we do spend the probably the most time trying to dif- differentiate sometimes with harmonies because sure they've got that crazy group vocal thing and it sounds like sometimes it's you know it's a philharmonic choir like the harmonies are super super tight and sometimes it's this polyphony of like sure a barn burning down and chickens and roosters partying and it's like this wacky looseness but the harmonies are always really good and the tones are so unique we probably spend the most time just deciphering that so we can pay like okay that's richard who's very low but then he sings super high so we yeah. gotta be like okay keeping a keen click <laughs> yeah very low and well, i would the- say that and they're not doing triads all the time. They're not like Crosby, no. Nash, and Young, where it's kind of like you can kind of figure it out. You when you listen to it, like you're saying, you get the high and the low. You get the kind of harmony coming in late or slightly too early. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's very specific, and I imagine that's really fucking that's hard the, to do. That's the tricky. Like that's the time we'll probably spend the most look at. Like there's certain things. Like I don't know if there's anybody out there interested in like well, what about the sour note they hit at the top of this phrase when they screwed up the song. Like we're not really trying to do that i don't think they would have wanted to do that and you've heard do consider like we do some of the obvious kind of mistakes that are yeah, there if there's some fun there's things some if it's fun funny like if you think if there, there are a bunch of characters like we'll throw in some winks and some nods but mm-hmm. we're not trying to be a super you know, yeah 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 copycat that wouldn't be fun because you could just throw on the record and listen to them if you wanted to do that right, right. um jody for you now with with Andrew here playing some more organ and some of that stuff, you were we were we were just talking about it briefly. That gives you a little bit more time to go behind the piano and do the Richard thing, which I wanted to talk to you a little bit about because I feel like, you know, a lot of people talk about Richard the singer, obviously, uh, phenomenal, but Richard the piano player is often kind of underrated. Uh, right. Just because he kind of took a little bit more of the backseat on the keys to Garth. Naturally, Garth gets to do all this crazy stuff with the organ and then even sometimes played the piano on like rag mama rag and and did Mm -hmm. all those crazy kind of barrel room things right but richard is like one of the best rhythm players i've ever heard behind the keys the way he approached the keys the simplicity sure but if you try to do it if i try to do i can't kind of replicate that how do you how did how did you find that kind of switching into that gear a little bit more and kind of going into the the key arrangements that richard would play a little bit more right well it's actually been really cool and you know when we when we did our original last waltz you know 
obviously, you know, we, we had talked about before, we're big fans of the band and we kind of fell into the idea of doing the last waltz. So, you know, we were a, a four piece band as Mrs. Henry. So it just kind of seemed like, well, you know, I have the gear, I'll do this. I'll kind of cover the gear, uh, cover all the keys parts, you know, which was a, a quite a big task. And we had talked originally about, should we try to get someone else and things like that? And we were looking around and didn't really have too much luck. Um, so in trying to do both was definitely really crazy trying to get into the mind. And, you know, there were times where I would play both piano and organ at the same time, but most of the time I would sort of jump back and forth between, you know, this is a huge organ song and it's got, you know, these licks, but then I'm going to jump to piano on this part. Um, so there definitely was, you know, a little bit kind of lacking in some ways. And we've all really noticed, you know, just the, the incredible fullness that we now get of having both instruments. And, you know, we had kind of talked originally, you know, cause we're not necessarily, you know, a tribute band, you know, we're not, you know, dressing up like it, we're not doing, you know, everything the same way. So, you know, we're like, yeah, we let's hop back and forth on the keys, you know, and things like that. And then once we brought Andrew in and just kind of seeing his mind and brain and how it works, he really kind of, seems to me like the Garth of the group. It's pretty cool because we're both, uh, you know, music directors and musicians at churches, uh, which are literally, you know, three or four minutes apart, right down the road from each other. We've never been to yeah, competing churches. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, so it's been so refreshing to actually kind of, you know, revisit this these songs and be like, okay, now I don't have to jump back and forth. Now I can really pick up on the, the rhythm aspect of the piano and you're right a lot of stuff does get sort of overlooked you know there's not a lot of Richard uh you know solos on the piano but you can consider all the all the licks and all the lines in between you know the rhythmic comping uh to kind of be a constant solo in a way but mm -hmm. it's been great to really just um be able to settle into that and uh, pick out parts I hadn't picked out before where I was focusing on an organ and being like okay what is he doing while Garth is, you know, kind of doing his thing or while Robbie's doing its thing. And um, yeah, it's been fun to explore that. Um, so much, yeah, so much great stuff there is really holding it down, keeping that sound really full. But yeah, you hear, you know, I really start to get into what he's thinking and I find, you know, um, you know, I'll play a song with a certain way and throw in a certain lick and then I'll listen back to it. And my lick sounded pretty close to his lick. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I kind of see where he is. Cause yeah. a lot of it, you know, and, and with working with Andrew, you know, and how to cover these parts, you can see, um, a lot of like, well, how does it work? Is it just five people just going at it the whole time where it's just a cacophony of sound? It's like, no, there's parts where everybody's kind of weaving in and you see a little moment and I'm going to throw a little lick in here, but it's not going to overpower anything. And it all just seems to, to really work. It's, it's so yeah. cool. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad you guys are doing that because I think it's, it's a key, right? Because this, this band didn't have two guitar players in the traditional like rhythm lead slot and the piano mm -hmm. kind of is doing that a lot. Um, obviously Richard too, great melody writer. So you get a little bit of that in there, but Mm -hmm. let's let's shift to the bass a little bit Blake I think you got that uh that fretless going now so talk to me a little bit about that because obviously that in the early years especially that's the defining part of Rick Danko's sound that almost acoustic sounding fretless bass how was it 
playing that? Had you ever played and messed around with the fretless too much electric bass like that? Or is this kind of your first time diving into that world? Oh man, I've tinkered in the past with fretless. In fact, I used to have a really cool acoustic fretless that was the most aggressive sounding thing I ever had. I really missed that bass. But uh and yeah, Rick's especially when he's on the when he's on the fretless, it's very rubber band and kind of like cartoony it's really really cool i think you got to open up and do just a whole different take on everything so i've been really having fun doing that like bass for me is always very percussive and it's like the king of rhythm and you you're you're a bass player right there yeah 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 so like uh and then when you add in a, the fretless um it seems like it's even more percussive for some reason i don't know why but the, especially the way in some of these songs the way he's playing them mm -hmm. um it's been really fun and uh and fortunately through, thanks to eastwood uh they, they got us this uh this space they've been helping us out and so cool. it's a it's like a a copy of an old ampeg the one that rick used and they're from nice. canada eastwood yeah. canada. They, they make yeah. they make great stuff and uh since we've been leaning heavy into the rock of ages too and it's the 50th anniversary of all that and you know rick was using fretless land so for me it's been pretty neat to switch gears completely mm -hmm. and uh, even the way it's been amplified has been different for me so i've been playing songs that we played on the last waltz different you know you go back and you're kind of relearning some things and some approaches are different and the feels just a little different and so it's cool because you could get to revisit it and then with new glasses kind of like mm. look at the song and approach it differently so it's how are you amplifying it this time I, right now i'm not i still haven't really landed on anything solid but it's been very much uh pretty direct actually yeah i've been and which is something i typically completely despise <laughs> <laughs> i uh yeah completely despise uh, direct line bass it's just it, it never makes sense but for some reason i think the way that this pickup is and the way it is it doesn't have any overwhelming super low frequency unusable 50 hertz nonsense mm -hmm. it's like if you can imagine the duke and corn playing in the band <laughs> yep <laughs> so this thing just that's, feels really that's an wouldn't image that be, for sure wouldn't, wouldn't that yeah <laughs> that yeah. Bang, right? yeah yeah it has a name it's fieldy it's a big part fieldy get in here he's outside uh <laughs> but uh yeah i've been having a lot of fun with it it's been really really cool it's it's been feeling really good and it, it's it kind of shapes your headspace too as i imagine imagine any of the other like uh andrew's palette what he's working with with uh, the lowry uh little brother kind of like shapes the way you're going to approach things and sure the you instrument gives you fretless you ever no you ever... i'm not that good i'm a i'm pretty pretty fucking shitty actually um <laughs> <laughs> But no, I haven't messed no, around. This might be the base for you, though, because you yeah. just get, you, if you don't like the note you're on, you can slide right You're always a few, you're just a few twitch away from, from being the right note. Right note, yeah. Bend it, you, can, you know, you can bend five steps and, you know. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, it's well, pretty demanding as far as the precision of it. Uh, it's pretty unforgiving, too. So getting used to, like, the, the intonation. And there's no lines on the, the neck. It's clean, but they've got these the dot markers on the top of the neck. Sure. which were extra confusing. Like I could have used the five, seven, nine, and 12, but it's got every fret. It's mm -hmm. just a line of dots, which doesn't really help you. No. <laughs> it just looks confusing. 
right. but it's been fine. We've been we've been going well with it. Do you do you string that up just for my listeners might not care about this, but I do. On that, do you what? How do you string that? Is that flat wounds or, or what does that look like? Currently flat wounds. I'm a little nervous since somebody listening who plays bass more proficiently than me or knows how to take care of gear better is gonna scoff, but it's flat, it's round wounds on this fretless board. And so I'm worried about the neck uh getting some gnarly wear and tear. Sure. But that's rock and roll, man. Pete Towns used right. to break them and I'm gonna just put little lines in them all the way down. <laughs> but I might go to I might go to the round wound or the flat wounds, but I really like round wounds. I like the aggressive. You know. Are you playing with the pick like Rick used to do, or you play with a yep. Yeah, which is weird too, because for some reason, whenever I'm playing the band, my and I always play with the pick. Like mm -hmm. Matt Freeman from Rance is one of my favorite dudes. You know, he's he's passed the torch from Ant Whistle and all the really aggressive bass players, and I always play with the pick. Um, but for some reason, whenever I was playing uh, the band stuff, I would use my fingers, and which is funny because Rick always played with the pick. Yeah, and uh, so. So I'm definitely sticking with the pick for the fretless too. It's, it seems almost sacrilegious for some bass players. I think, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I was looking at, you know, it's why I was looking at, I think, I mean, there's a, I was deep diving in that he would use his fingers for so, at some yeah, period he's using it and sometimes so, not, and he broke his wrist or something like that. Like, oh, I'm in the same boat. Awesome. Yeah. I actually, maybe that's why I use his fingers because I was actually opting for the first few, I hurt my wrist and I was using my, I was using fingers more. <laughs> Plus the way that bass, if anybody knows what it is, look it up. Uh, the what's the Ampeg AU1? Is that what it is? AUB AUB1. AUB1. The one and yeah. for the uh, Eastwood, it's EUB2. I think it's the fretless version. And there's the it's got uh, F holes that are cut right through the body, so you can see through it. So it's actually really easy to hold and play with your uh -huh. thumb. Cool. But um, yeah, I switch back and forth just depending on how delicate the song is. If it's really, you know, quiet and delicate i'll use my fingers from time to time but i always love seeing how he, he played watching him play the bass is an enigma it's so fun and funny looking and so sure. rad because his yeah. rhythm is impeccable it's like drunken boxing but on the bass uh -huh. it's like every hits landing and when you walk out of the fight with him like you're bleeding like what but he never even hit me he was just kind yeah. of flopping around and getting <laughs> weird whenever i watch rick play i'm like man that guy's having the most fun the feels insane the feel is yeah is, is insane in the uh, in the melody too because he originally was a guitar player and then he played yeah. that six uh six string fender bass thing for a while as well i have one of with, those Ron things. with ronnie hawkins yeah so he's got a unique feel that like it's very hard to get close i find a lot of times but you're nailing it um oh, thank you man yeah 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 that's a huge compliment he's, is it a short scale by the way or is it full no it's full no yeah. i think it's a if I could be just scared of the thing, but it feels like it's longer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like three, three frets are like that. Yeah, long. with the, the fret markers, I'm like, but it feels like the three is where the five usually is, and those yeah. markers don't help at all. It's getting getting a little weird on some of those songs in the early part. And then I, I cheated. I put uh, was that uh, scotch tape, just little sure. lines on the neck, so like not on the fretboard, but on the neck, so kind of like okay. <laughs> That's training wheels for bass players. That's but, uh, right. I come to you clean, come as I am. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't live without the dots. Um, I can barely play with the dots on on the neck. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna stay away from the uh, from the fretless for now. Um, when we meet up, when we play, I'll throw it at you. You can funk around with it. It's pretty cool. fun. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
Interesting. Okay. No, that's cool. Um, let's move, let's move on. Uh, Daniel with the, with the guitar, um, your tone's impeccable with it. You know, you're getting a lot of that feel that Robbie has, but how do you, how do you do that too? Because there's kind of, I would say there's two eras of Robbie's kind of playing in the band. There's early with the telly. Uh, it's a little cleaner, I guess. And then later on, he switches to the Strat and it's definitely a little bit more metallic, uh, a little bit harder. He solos more. He attacks a little bit more. It actually reminds me more of his early playing when he was doing blue stuff with like John Hammond and things like that. How do you, how do you approach, how do you approach that? Um, well, we, um, <laughs> hold on. We got a, got, got a guess. We got a guess. Hey, Gizmo. Okay. It's cool. Um, sorry, our, our good friend Gizmo, who will be joining us on our tour. Gizmo is our, our amigo, the newest of the, of the tribe. Um, cool. so, um, yeah, I, you know, honestly, I kind of approach from the same, uh, aspect as like, well, by album by the time period trying to you know not to say you know i don't know i guess replica you're playing like playing a replica bass of the one that danko was playing i'm i'm trying to dial in and get the sound because i think a part of what um a part of what makes that cohesion and that you know crazy soup that they you know all drink together in like a time period like rock of ages or those sounds or those records is their spirit, their headspace, you know, I know this has been nailed. You can get in their head, but you'll never, you know, have their brain. So you're kind of like yeah, doing yeah. your thing with it. And so, you know, to me, that telly is so distinct, um, the telecaster sound. And so I specifically went out and got this style of telly based on the same style of telly that I had, which is a, it's a reissue, the early or the it's like a 2009 reissue and it's the first reissue this road worn series of a telly that's like it's like a 50s neck um i only know so much on the pickup world i only nerd out that hard on on guitars and stuff like that but i know it's the neck was very specific and i loved it and i bought this guitar i bought a, a red version of this um in uh richmond virginia on tour uh in february 2020 and then that same that guitar got stolen while we were from the studio we were recording at in the middle of the pandemic and um i went through several other tellies um since then and none of them felt the same none of them sounded the same they all sounded good or had their own thing but i bought that telly originally the one in richmond virginia because i was like that's the sound that's yeah. the sound of the telly that i've been looking for um to have the right feel and the right thing and just the right approach to playing the guitar um in that style and so i found one on reverb and i was just like you know what i know this is what i want i know this is the kind and you know i was able to get a gentleman out by the name of douglas out in florida shipped it out for me and um i've been happy as a clam ever since playing it and just you know i do have a strat i have a you know a strap it's not a strat it's not dipped in bronze like you know like <laughs> like Robbie's not yet. not yet, but, uh, you know, and I, I try and, you know, look at those components and see, you know, Hey, like, you know, even I'm, I got a, you know, a little, I've been was searching kind of nerding out on the amp world and trying to see, okay, what was he doing? Uh, mm -hmm. Robbie was playing a, a fender tw a twin tweed twin. 
which uh, twins are, you know, any new twins and twins like now are pretty much just this obnoxiously loud, clean, like bark. Like, bah! And, yeah. And that's all. But like the our OG twins were amazing and sound amazing. They also cost like, you know, $10,000. Yeah. It's not in the cards this time yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, and then also his twin, you know, as a research and he had a twin with a blown out speaker in it. And he's like, I, and he, I guess from what I've read, he liked how it sounded, so he didn't sure. change it. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So, you know, on my approach, I just was looking at like, well, how can I do this? And so I was, you know, kind of going through my amps of what I have. And I'm like, well, you know what? You know, like on the, the last tour we've done, you know, I have my pedal board with Henry, which, you know, in making the last record we did, I experimented with a lot of things, fuzzes for the first time. Um, you know, use my phaser on it, octopedal, all this, and I have a board with that now. And I was like, I don't need any of this to do what Robbie is doing or to play this music. Sure. So ditch that. Now just plugging straight into a Gibson um Falcon. I think that app. Um, and uh I think it is, or it's Gibson Explore. It's some kind of Gibson. It's a beautiful Gibson amp, and it's a little guy, and um, and I have it just dimed. And uh, as long as I can get it a little bit in the monitors, you know, I'm just doing straight into the amp and just uh -huh. use, you know, when I want to take a solo, turn the volume up all the way. Uh, when I want to play rhythm, just, you know, put it, put it to where it sits in the pocket with the band. And, you know, I'm starting to just appreciate that, you know, aspect. It's kind of really getting back to the, you know, quote unquote roots of playing guitar yeah. and music of, you know just play play to the group play to the band play to the night yeah so, that's easier. cool set and, up and, too yeah yeah, yeah much easier to set up <laughs> and yeah yeah it's that's the that's a balance too like when you start diving into this old gear like if you start looking at it, in the ant world trying to find an amp that's affordable that has celestian el nico speakers in it and stuff like that it's like so hard to find it's so hard to transport not break so you kind of have to pick your battles right because new gear is so much lighter it's like can you kind of get the sound that you want and without compromising too much it's so disgustingly light yeah yeah it's so ridiculous yeah. how light some apps are now like, oh my god well, i mean the, I, I in, was the, looking in the base world in the base in the base world, world the <laughs> they weigh they lay they weigh less than the guitar amps by yeah, far. A pedal board weighs way more than the, the amp I've used. The amps I've used. Yeah, it's the it's the lack of tubes now. Like I got a Fender Rumble 500. It's 36 pounds. That thing is yeah. ridiculous. It's so yeah. loud and it weighs nothing. You could yeah. kick it like a soccer ball. Yeah, and exactly. I wanted to get a bunch of those and make a tower out of them and just yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love That'd the concept. Of that. Yeah, I, I always wanted. I love that. That's possible i don't know how it works there's neodymium speakers and then there are no tubes it's all transistors and then acoustic technology but i'm i'm so impressed with those rumbles man it's ridiculous the, the rumble is is solid and it beats hauling around like an 80s pv tube amp that's like 400 pounds um so <laughs> bruises yeah. you whenever you take it and then you're it, trying to get it dude, out and hit what, you in the how, leg. how counterintuitive also really delicate I mean, like you, it weighs a million pounds, and oh, we bumped it. And the tubes are out. Buy, yeah. Spend more money on tubes. The, the horror story of it, your tubes breaking just before or in the gig, and you're like, oh fuck! Like our guitar player, he travels with a spare set of tubes because they break. So, but then like you gotta 
that but the headache of that too like you gotta worry like, oh, well it's gonna they're gonna go out like that's the way tubes work and mm-hmm. i don't know i mean I, obviously we, we do this we bring out all our, our, our real wild gear and i have two acoustic 360s in case one goes out <laughs> always ready mm-hmm. to rock then they never go out like the original advertisement for the 360s they threw it from a two-story window smashed it all on the ground in pieces and they plugged it in and fired it up <laughs> but still like it goes out all the time and i have to fix yeah. it or worry about it yeah we we're we're we're, we're uh not to say limiting our wrists we're putting our wrists just on different things like taking right. out you know like a 70 year old oregon two of them you know <laughs> and two leslie's you know 70 years old like we'll just you know but we'll keep you know hey yeah keep it where we can get it about the kids you guys are you guys are also playing with horns too again right how's we, how's that <clears throat> going because that's also you know obviously part of the band live sound at least with rock of ages the last waltz a lot of horns but that's another element that logistically i'm assuming it's just difficult to deal with when touring yeah um well we're doing a a different approach and uh we'll have to we'll we'll let you know how it goes uh, as we are (laughs) we've decided to take a different route maybe the chuck berry approach of playing with a different section in each city and um yeah, I mean, seems like, uh, you know, like I said, we're managing our risk. Of what, what could go wrong? What could go wrong here? Um, but, Nothing. you know, we are we are keeping Nothing. one thing very consistent, and that's our horn arranger, Jesse Adello, who I know I've mentioned this before, beautiful, makes a, a genius arranger and and sax player and, you know, plays with a phenomenal group, Surefire Soul Ensemble. They're on Coal Mine Records and uh, his own group, Fresh Veggies, Micro Brass, which is this kind of crazy group. And, you know, we had done a, we did a, the the first tour out of the, the, the gate early in the beginning of this year, or midway through this year, we went with the whole section and it was a ton of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, if we were in a place right now where, you know, I mean, I'd say if we, if we had a bus, but actually Alan just bought a bus. So I didn't really see that coming, but, you know, we are going to have a bus. So technically we could have housed all these people, but um, it seemed logistically like a very difficult thing to add another um, four people plus our crew. We already have like our our our, our main man Gizmo here, who's going to be joining us for the U.S. leg of the tour, and um, you know a sound dedicated you know uh, driver roadie. Like we're having people to help us ease the load of making our job on the stage um, uh, just the most efficient it could be um it just seemed like let's go this route and give it a go because why not because we're young yeah i mean <laughs> if, if the, you know the second time if this is super successful the ideal would be to have those cats come along sure assuming they can the availabilities with everybody and everything yeah. yeah yeah even i mean straight logistic was jesse's like they can't do the tour we're like mm-hmm. okay just physically can't be there <laughs> there you go that... like, well let's work with that what well, can let's we... work with that well what can we do <laughs> We That's can right. get players in each town. Can they cool. Skype in? You know, what's the latency like? And, uh, That's right. And so far, it's been like I said, of just like, well, cool. Jesse's going to communicate with all these people. He's going to relay the charts. Once again, too, Jesse, um, and you know, I guess we'll kind of speak on his behalf because he's not here. But Jesse's, um, you know, kind of got the direction of like, hey, you know, our, a lot of our charts and arrangements were based off of more of the last waltz. And this time around, we're like, yeah, okay, cool. Like night they drove old Dixie down let's get we really want to hone in on this arrangement which it's a different intro than the last mm-hmm. waltz and different little articulations that just you know i mean 
you know, they peel the paint off the wall a little different on that one. It's like a different, completely different feel. So there's a lot more of this room for the horns and, uh, you know, the arrangements of the horns on Rock of Ages are definitely different than the, what they are on The Last Waltz. And um, we're going, we're definitely taking that detail. And, um, you know, so it will be interesting. What's really great about some of these markets is we'll be able to have consistent, we'll have, you know, the horns from Columbus will also, fortunately, we just found out today, will be the horns in Cleveland. Um, nice. You know, so, you know, finding some people, you know, I mean, that's one down. We're, I mean, we're working on the horns in each in each city, and and we have all the, you know, different players, um, and we're going to meet those players the day of, and we're going to play, and they're going to know the charts and the music, and mm -hmm. all of them are so enthused to get to play this music. I mean, yeah. that's what's really great, too, is getting an opportunity. Wow, we're right off the bat, we're going to get to meet, you know, four fans three to four fans of the band right on stage with us. Guaranteed. At yeah. least four fans on this. Too. At least four fans joining us that we're paying to be there. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be there. But um, so it should be interesting. You know, we really, we, um, you know, it's, and, and a lot of these guys are really stoked too. Like, yeah, when you guys come back in, we're going to be stoked, you know, a little bit of that, like, um, you know, uh, this one I'm looking for consistency to potentially well if we come back in and we're doing a you know tour of this or tour of that you know you know we'll have these dudes to work with and so you know in new york there's a section that we're really excited you know kind of a you know our show in new york it's monday august 15th and it's the exact 50th anniversary release of rock of ages rock of ages came out 1972 on on august 15th i don't know what day it was in the week um but uh so we have an amazing section um that's uh members of auntie balas budo's band tv on the radio these guys have played with everybody david bowie uh you know saint vincent david burns joe uh, joe uh joe you know joe russo you know cool. joe russo's done legendary performances of the last waltz you know yeah so these dudes are you know kind of proverbial as good as you get i i can't wait you know eric biondo is um the trumpet player and um he's the one that's kind of I'm spearheading the Brooklyn endeavors. And, you know, it wasn't in the cards that he was like, dude, I would love to do this tour. He's like, let me see if these guys can do it. He's like, I have family in Buffalo. We can do this to Buffalo. This would be amazing. He's like, my whole family would be just amazed to see this music. And uh, the sousaphone players, John Atiri, Atiri, I might be butchering his last name, but, you know, Eric's like, dude, this dude's played the last Waltz concert before. Uh, might have even been with Joe Russo. And he's like, you know, all these dudes love it this dude uh dave smuta smith dave smuta smith he plays with the once again trombone player plays with everybody under the sun run the jewels um just cool. a, lo a lot of these cats and then um stuart bogey um or it might be bogey stuart bogey bogey if you're out there listening to this once again when i meet you i'll probably still butcher your name but i'll do my best to not but uh, he plays with Joe Russo. Um, you know, his band is featuring him. And, you know, I, I know I keep saying that name because every single time I've seen Joe Russo, he's like one of the greatest drummers. Adult. He blows my mind. He's amazing. Um, I saw him at the Capitol Theater in Portchester. And uh, I, I sent Joe, uh, Jody a photo of his keyboard. This is a situation because the keyboard player in his band, it's, uh, it was Joe Russo's Almost Dead. He's playing mm -hmm. a nine-foot grand piano, and I was like, "Jody, it's yeah. goggles." Yeah, I saw Joe. I saw Joe at uh, at Bethel Woods for Mountain Jam 2018. It was uh, it was a cool cool experience. Um, 
the horn thing though that's cool i think just between us and everybody listening i think iconic five should put the bill <laughs> iconic five they should put the bill get you guys a permanent horn section give you a little dough to take the horns on the road with you that but they're be- not Officially, but unofficially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool, though. The let's talk a little bit about the tour, though. The tour is you guys are going out. Uh, fingers crossed. You you hit every single date here. You're starting July twentieth uh, in Costa Mesa, uh, California, and then you're going all the way through until August fifteenth in Brooklyn. Um, Talk to me about what you're excited for. Are you excited for a certain certain cities? Like, because you guys are you guys are going all over the place. I'm excited for the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, just going across the country. And I mean, after everything was the world was shut down, you know, it's finally good to get out into the world again. Um, but I mean, to me, I'm from Columbus, so that'll be a good show for me. I got a lot of friends and family out there. Um, I'm one show in particular i'm pretty excited about my all of them but there's this venue in pittsburgh that that is really cool and it's a really cool night um like the venue they they do this thing it's it's the thunderbird music hall and they do these these shows uh where it's like um the beatles versus dylan so you have like a band that comes and they play the Beatles along with then, you know, another band comes and plays Dylan. And so that's what the theme of that night is. It's Almond Brothers versus the band. So there's okay. a, an Almond Brothers. You guys got to show up and you got to beat them because we all yeah, know. Oh, well, of Come course. On. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll beat them by numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, that I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I mean, yeah, just the whole tour in general. Um i've never i've never done a tour before so this is my first time nice Let's see how it goes <laughs> see how tour I'm like excited. Is with these i'm guys. excited he's gonna hate us by the end yeah. of it i'm excited <laughs> he's gonna hate us all uh, i'm pretty stoked well this is our first time we're gonna be touring with a bus and uh we have alan just got a bus which is also making it all possible for everybody involved and uh it's diesel which is also awesome and uh and I think, yeah, what Alan said too, just getting to hit the road, there's nothing like uh, like it. And then um, the, all the people, there's so, I mean, there's people I haven't seen in New York for years that are just like, dude, yes, awesome. We'll be there. We can't wait and getting to reconnect with friends. And um, even we're making, you know, the, <laughs> we're picking up a CP80 Yamaha piano, which is a baby grand 88 key piano from a gentleman out in florence kentucky uh that you know he's stoked it's so funny how from just this I mean, this guy out in florence kentucky who's got a studio ended up getting on an hour call with him and uh he used to work at the bearsville studio there the nice. albert grossman yep. i guess you know kind of um you know funded and and yep. part of the whole woodstock community and it's amazing the small world exists and tell me oh yeah the scorpions would go they lock down for a year there and then go or foreigner i think it was foreigner you're saying go and then go do some shows out here come back and just play be at the studio and had amazing neve console and um you know getting to see some of these spots i'm particularly stoked we're gonna actually we uh you know we managed to wrangle a night the one small night the literally the one window in august that when i was first looking at this tour 
two months ago because we really all came together literally in about a month but uh there was a window to stay at big pink nice and uh so we're gonna go stay at big pink and i'll go it's get magical there. yeah yeah so i can't wait and i love i've i've had a chance to go visit uh big pink before in woodstock and we've got a friend in kingston as well that we'll hopefully link up with and yeah just get to see people friends meet new make new friends go get to see you yeah, yeah. <laughs> coming across the border bring coming it across the, the border toronto yeah, yeah yeah bring it to the homeland where it all started uh I'll have to show you guys some spots. There's some cool murals of the guys in the Hawks on Young Street. That's oh, where it cool. all kind of started for those guys. And uh, there's some there's some stuff around. Um, but yeah, we're I'm stoked to have you guys. Um, and I, you know, I've already gotten some some people DMing me because I've been sharing what you guys are doing, and people are stoked for it. I have one buddy that asks, and you you probably don't know yet, but is there is there a chance that you guys are going to do more dates after the august 15th because we we got some love for you guys up in the uh, northeast and they're curious if there's going to be any more any more dates potentially it's challenging i know it is we won't believe me we've uh i mean this is what's been kind of amazing of ever since we started chest fever which you know literally i think i i don't check the date but less than less than two months ago We've had people reach out to us on the website and mm-hmm. through social media asking us to play everywhere. Um, and we want to play everywhere. And uh, we just don't have, we wish we had the time and the ability and literally the time in our schedule um, to be able to do it. Um, and we're going to absolutely in 2023, we're already we're looking at the next run and we're just like, if it was feasible within time of everything we were doing, yes, we're yeah. going to go everywhere we can. We will. And what's the thing too, is that we're doing this show and we're planning on next year to move on to another show. So this, we wish we could, we could break, you know, tour this, this show, this, you know, rock of ages playing the songs of the fashion all across the world. Um, but it's going to be this summer. And that's, what's, you know, part of the, you know, the beauty of music is, Hey, this is going to be the one shot to see it. So if you yeah, ever thought about, shot. you got one shot, if you thought about taking a vacation <laughs> to Toronto on a Wednesday, this do is it. the day to do it. Canada, come on, you got to come out. And it's same thing with it. If it, if we could, if it could have worked in any way, I mean, believe me, we, we worked around the clock to make this happen, let alone, if there was a way we could work around the clock to make the other dates, we would, but you know, we also have our own music. We're very excited to play. We just found out today, you know, a slew of, of festivals to play in Mexico uh, with Mrs. Henry that we can't wait. And then, you know, a huge big project that's just right around the bend, you know, when we get back, you know, uh, is the last waltz, you know, so we're definitely going to keep playing this music and we're definitely then in 2023, we have a very, a big endeavor we're going to partake in that I think will, we hope um, will give all the fans that are reaching out to us um, the ad opportunity to see this music and to experience it. You know, it won't be rock of ages, um, but it will be a very special show um, and hopefully many shows coming up in, in 2023. So I'm trying to, you know, if we could find, you know, potentially even the time to do, to do some you know hey where there's a will there's a way and it's definitely you definitely never say never and there might Mm -hmm. you know i don't know there might be another 
reasoning and an a opportunity for us to do this concert um, sooner than later again. Cool, cool. All right, let's do let's do a rapid fire here. So we're talking Rock of Ages. A lot of people think this is the defining band live album. I would agree personally. I like it better than the Last Waltz myself. You have to pick. You can go around each answer. Favorite song from Rock of Ages rendition of a song that they did on Rock of Ages. Um, go ahead, Daniel. You start. The night they drove old Dixie down. Cool. This is the most challenging. It's the song. I don't know why is just spiritually or not is like the most challenging, simplest song, but the most challenging song for me as a singer to just do justice and every single time i'm gonna be working on it to get it but when we nail when the magic's there and the molasses is as thick as can be it's spiritual cool alan uh same uh like <laughs> that one gives me goose- you can't do that that one, one gives me goosebumps every time i can't every time and it's like it, it's it's it has this this drag to it it's it, yeah it's, it's nice it's slow and you know love it if i'm going with the fast song i like don't do it but you know the night they drove dixie down that's always one of my favorites anyway cool andrew actually i told you dan uh i told you that uh the weight i love the version of the weight from the rock of ages because that piano part just cool. sounds so good. Just those, those, those the keys. Notes. The low notes starting out. Yeah. But then also like the mm-hmm. highs, like it's just, it's, I'm like, this is like the best version of the weight that I, that I've heard from all. Like, I, I, just I agree. Love it. I yeah. agree. It's a fantastic rendition. Jody. Um, man, so many good songs, so many different versions. You know, there's a lot of songs that uh, aren't in the last waltz, of course, that we didn't tackle in our previous playing of their music um i'm really looking forward to uh unfaithful servant and we've been really diving into that song um that to me is probably the most challenging of chord changes i i would almost say Uh, just the um the way it's arranged and everything it does sort of follow a pattern but uh there's just something really cool about it you know i mean all the songs have great lyrics and great stories but there's something just really fun about that one and like just really dialing in you know the kind of the the calmness of that song and just kind of really leaning into that um i think that's going to be a favorite of mine for sure yeah that's one of the most jazzy based pieces of the band does with that kind of descending chord progression yeah it's it's unique it's unique it's Mm -hmm. cool cool definitely blake blake for you what about you there's some great bass lines on here or maybe it's something else what are you looking forward to and there's it's really cool and there's lots of cool transitions too and the feel of everything it's also kind of cool because i think they were charging really hard on the last waltz especially for a couple of feels in for song on rock of ages they really tuck and kind of give themselves some space in a lot of spots so that's a really just that general idea on so many of the approaches that kind of blankets a lot of the songs i kind of like we've been doing that and it's been really cool especially now that we have a whole other member and there's other parts coming in you have the extra room and so that sensibility in general has been a really cool thing that i think is directly um kind of comes from the rock of ages 
Um, I can't wait to cross great divide is going to be really, really damn. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's also we were rated song. Uh, fuck. Sorry. I can swear on this thing. Yeah, it's such yeah. a great song. It's such a, it's such a great song. And, uh, and the way it comes out of the night, they drove a Lixie down. It's really cool. Um, also we yeah, were, I, I like that, like that two those like two yeah, things yeah. together like that's really, really cool. it, it was yeah. cool and, yeah. and richard's in there and he's kind of like pre-funk george mm-hmm. clinton he's like when he's singing that op- those opening lines and he's it's kind of like way behind the one when he's singing and mm-hmm. it's just really cool sticky feel also we were jamming uh get up jake the other day and that, oh, yeah. that song is really fun to play <laughs> listen that's maybe the most that's maybe the most fun song of yeah i don't know of the night that's just we hadn't played that before we have played it's like it's like, just oh. fun and it, that's one that immediately we all kind of i mean we, when it comes to working on the harmonies that's one mm-hmm. just, just we all symbiotic just poop went yeah. and it did it was no painless it was effortless just, like, just oh, there we mm-hmm. go putting on a real funky jacket it's like ah, that, yeah get dude. up jake is to me because that was an outtake on the brown album that should have been on the Brown album in the spot of Look Out Cleveland. And then it would literally be the perfect album wow. because Look Out Cleveland, good song, but Get Up Jake is a fucking sleeper hit. Like that is an yeah. amazing tune. And uh, I've yeah. got a lot of love for Look Out Cleveland, though. It'd be harder. Oh, replace no, Blake. <laughs> yeah. We, we'll I'm just saying, I, I, I love that song, man. It's a, what a weird Come vibe. Come on, Get Up Jake, though. That, the, the harmony, like you were saying. Oh, that's a hook. Right. No, that's a catchy. That I could see that being more of a hit than Look Out Cleveland. Like I don't see a lot of people would be singing. Although that would be a rad world if if it's Look Out Cleveland. Get both. Get both. Uh, yeah. Well, honestly, what? Oh, you know, I guess you couldn't do both. That would have been a tough call to make. That would have been a pretty yeah. lame thing to. You know, if we do a Brown album tour, we'll just have to play both. We'll just be like, we're playing the outtakes too, and you know, we'll play all the Woodside concert as well because it's all on the. Extended version. Why not? That, that's right. That's right. I uh speaking of that, I just I talked to Bob Clearmount who did the remix, and there's so little info out there about like it just like well, Bob Clearmount did the mix. So I was talking to him and I asked him about the uh the the Woodstock stuff, and he's uh-huh. like, Oh, I didn't do that. I was like, Oh fuck, I looked like an, he was he really nice that. about it. I don't know. We don't Is there know. Multi-track. I mean, it's a, that's what I love that that concert's very cool. Yeah, and it's been cleaned up because the bootlegs are rough, and whoever cleaned it up did a good job, but it wasn't Bob. So uh, Hmm. I looked, uh, I looked like a bit of a an idiot there, but he was really nice about it. But um, (laughs) thanks for following the sword. We We won't, we won't say that to him. Cool. So just in wrapping, I think I want to point people, and in all the links, uh, I'll include uh, the YouTube channel is really cool because you guys have put up some performances there tears of rage the shape i'm in i got some comments on this i i was like there are people like i was i was hesitant but i checked out these videos and they're pretty legit and they're like awesome. you know <laughs> a lot of guys do band covers but a lot of them are boomers rock and roll is a young man's game so these guys are doing it well so we're getting a lot of hype out there but where else online can people find out more about the tour about what you guys are up to and just kind of keep up to date with uh, what's going on with chess fever yeah, I mean, um, well, we have a website, chessfeverofficial.com. Yeah, it's official, chessfeverofficial.com. <laughs> we have an Instagram, you know, too. Instagram, chessfeverofficial uh, is, you know, 
probably our Instagram is the most that we just kind of tend to the most, but I think we're going to start a Twitter. I think yeah. I, that's our man, uh, Gizmo. He's, he just gave me the horns, the thumbs up horns that we're going to, we're going to be live on Twitter too. So I don't exactly understand Twitter. Get ready. Tree. It's, it's a world. It's a yeah, world. Yeah. We're ready. Take off. But, but you know, it's funny. Every avenue we can think of to try and engage people who would love this music and will respond and can be connected because like the whole purpose of this project is to connect and to yeah. be and, and have it just be like, Hey, cool. This flag right here. This is where you, this is cool. This is the, this is the, you can, you can talk. This is the forum for this, this appreciation, this music. And like, you know, it's like the safe haven for that. So it's really, you know, just another thing and welcome. And I feel like, yeah, you guys, all, it's, I I've been seeing it because I've been doing a lot of the, the social media and, but just, it's awesome to get so much response and love and, and, and just hear people stoked about it. And that's, that's, what's awesome about the band community. You know, cool. it's about loving and continuing that story. Yeah. No, when you guys join the Twitter, we'll pump it out to the few thousand on there and get you guys some followers. But uh, TikTok, think about TikTok, boys. That's where it's at. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was kind of, I, 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 yeah. We got to get Andrew. We got to get Andrew there with a the fake beard doing his best. Garth, that'll go viral. You know? Oh, we thought we about doing some vignettes yeah. about uh, <laughs> different lyrics of songs. That might be the yeah. that might be the place to house it. TikTok might be the place to do the vignettes. Yeah. Jack Listen. the dog. What was the other one you guys came up with? Oh, we were get gonna do Jake. okay. Get up, Blake. Well, we had a great vignette that Andrew's <laughs> posing of uh of 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 Chad coming in and Blake sleeping and throwing water on Blake and being like, "Get up." Well, how you Late used to explain it better. Hey, this is hit material, guys. Don't be giving it out because there's hey, somebody listening. Yeah. They, they can they can have it. Tarantino <laughs> sent film will turn out to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what he does. He prowls podcasts to find his new scripts. That's right. You're welcome, <laughs> Quentin. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks again. And uh, I'll include everything in the bio. And obviously, we'll be helping promote that as uh, thank as you for your help. Thank you. But uh, it's a pleasure having you guys on for a combo again. Yeah. Thanks for the head oh, and the likewise, heart, man. man. Yeah. Thank you so much. We are really looking forward to meeting you in person, man. Yeah, man. Cool. That was my interview with Chest Fever. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Like I was saying in the episode, there's some great YouTube videos. Uh, for any skeptics out there, believe me, I'm a skeptic at heart. These guys are doing it right. They've got the official stamp of approval. They're a great, great band. And uh, check out the tour dates on the website, chestfeverofficial.com. Might be coming uh, to a neighborhood near you. I'll actually be opening for them when they come up to Toronto. So if you're interested in the Toronto date, check that out as well. 
If you want to follow the podcast online, we're on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram at The Band Podcast. And if you're interested in supporting the show monetarily, go to patreon.com slash The Band of History. There's various different levels of support. You get extra bonus materials, early access to the episodes, amongst many other cool perks. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will catch you on the next one. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.